The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Joel French, the Executive Director of Public Interest Alberta. Welcome to the uh, show. You've been on with Ryan quite a bit. Yes, I have. All right. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you in because this is... Uh, listen, I'm, I'm all about honesty. And I, I said you off air, so I'll say it again on air. Uh, when I saw the topic and I saw you were coming in, I thought I'd better look into this real quick because I remember this as a 2015 NDP promise of $25 a day um, daycare we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And they have an official name for it, right? Uh, Early Learning and Child Care, ELCC. But it's the $25 a day program. I I kind of, it went off my radar after that. So uh, could you walk us through a little bit? It was a trial program originally, then it was expanded, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I'll pick up on the fact that you feel like you haven't heard much about it because I think that's one of the things that we're trying to fix in putting out uh, what we put out today, the results of this child care operator survey that we did, is we don't think that the public hears enough about ch- uh, child care in the province, why it's important, what the challenges are, and therefore what our government needs to do about it. Um, so it, it was announced quite early in this government's uh, term that they were going to launch this pilot program for early learning and child care centres, and it would apply only to to nonprofit centers and only, of course, being a pilot project, being limited to a small number of centers. Initially, it was 22 centers that were funded. Okay. Um, and about a year after that, the uh, the government expanded it to another 100 centers. So we actually have 122 oh. child care centers across the province. Okay, so now. let's back up just to, you know, yeah. paint a full picture. So when it was 22 centers, how many spots did that approximately open up? Um, I don't have that number off the top of my head. In the uh, hundreds, I would hundreds imagine? for sure, yeah. And, and was there a cost associated? I mean, obviously, there was a cost associated. How much did the program initially cost? Uh, it was in the tens of millions. So okay. it, it was it was a decent investment. You know, in the grand scheme of a provincial budget, didn't make a huge uh, difference yeah. in that way. But it, but it's still a significant amount people, of money. People get upset about that when I say things like, "Well, that's a drop in the bucket." But uh, it is sort of. A yeah. drop in the bucket, but yeah. you're right. It's a lot of money. So then it was expanded again for another four or five million, I believe, right? Yeah, for a, another hundred centers is what opened in the second round. So it was a very significant expansion, particularly since the pilot project hadn't served out its life yet. There are th- uh, three-year blocks of funding, so we're actually still in the middle of the pilot project, and we haven't seen publicly any evaluation of it. Uh, so in a lot of ways. The survey that we've done, which doesn't just look at those centers, it looks at child care operators overall across the province, but um, it's showing us some of the results that we see and some of the differences between the centers that are receiving the support from the government and the other centers that aren't part of the program. Okay, and so before we get to the results, because I really want to make sure everyone's got the same background now that I do, yeah. um, there's there was already existing programs through the provincial government um, to provide financial assistance to eligible lower-income families. And that was also for... Well, that encompassed actually licensed daycares, licensed group family homes, approved family day homes, licensed preschools. So I'm wondering how those two programs differ or why one's better than the other. Yeah, they can actually be complementary and work together. So the the uh, Alberta actually has a fairly uh, good system of direct-to-parent child care subsidies uh, that are income-tested. So if you're a low-income family, you can get a maximum subsidy if you're very low income and there's a phasing out of that as the incomes get higher. And so... Um the, the ELCC program is not specific to low-income families. It's accessible to uh, anybody uh, if they can get in. The wait lists are long, so they're not easy to get into. <laughs> so I've um, heard. But it's not sensitive to 
uh, income, which we actually think is important because we think that we need to be moving towards a universal system of child care um, that anybody can access. Well, you said the word, Joel, so you opened the door. <laughs> I would uh, suspect um, that many people... Um, have a problem with the word universal because the suggestion then would be well if it's universal that means um, first of all my tax dollar is paying for individuals who could afford daycare when there's no reason for me to subsidize them and others may argue that well wait a second why are my taxes going towards child care when I didn't have children or why isn't the parents uh, why aren't the parents who decided to have children accepting the burden of the cost of having children. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've heard all those arguments. Yeah, I, I get those points put to me a lot, and I think that um, we think about it in the same the same way that we think about our public health care system, our public education system. You know, we don't uh, charge anybody for those, even wealthy parents, you know, with the exception of maybe private schools, uh, which is a, a very small amount. But in our public health care system, anybody can go into a hospital and get care and not have to pay a bill at the end of it. And we see child care in the same way, and, and the reason why I see it that way is because it's really a public interest issue. It's not just about helping this one individual parent, it's about developing the full potential of every child, about um, ensuring that they have, uh, that they're mentally healthy as they grow up, that they're better able to learn, better, better able to engage as democratic citizens in their society as they get older. And those things start from the earliest years. The, the years zero to five are the most important years in a person's uh, brain development. And so I think it's a public interest to issue for those reasons and has all kinds of other effects on society, including the ability of women to work, which contributes to our economy and actually has very, very positive impacts on economies when it's invested in significantly. Although there's been no specific economic impact study done to absolutely prove that to be true or to show what the results are? Not specifically in Alberta because we're just getting started. In Quebec, where they've been investing in a system, a universal system that's not perfect, but uh, I think is better than any other system in Canada right now, um, There, that has been studied pretty extensively and the economic impacts and the actually impacts on government budgets um, show very positive things, including that um, that, univer- uh, that childcare programs like that more than pay for themselves in the tax dollars that they create through of course there's a big hiring within the workforce to uh, staff all of those child care centers but also all of the mostly women but uh, parents generally that are able to enter the workforce that otherwise wouldn't be able to and we're not just talking about again low income folks you know I uh, just anecdotally I've got a friend who uh, who works at the University of Alberta his wife is a PhD and uh, and teaches at the U of A Financially, for them right now, it doesn't make sense for them to have their kids in care. They have their kids in care anyway. They have two kids. Um, but they pay more in child care fees than she makes teaching at the University of mm. Alberta. However, if she wants to have a career, she has to start somewhere. So, right. so they're biting the bullet right now, getting quality child care, um, and she's working at the same time. And Yeah, um, it's, it's yeah. interesting, Joel, because, and I mentioned to you again off air, but I'll say it again on air. So after researching this and, and looking into it, I then phoned the one person I know Uh, my daughter down in Calgary who has two young children um, who is working out of her house and wanted to know her take on this and if she'd looked into this $25 a day she said the waiting list she looked into it she can't get on it Um, she's not low income so she can't get subsidized Uh, then I asked her well isn't isn't it an advantage though that you can stay home and um, 
and you know, do a business from home or do something like that, adapt somehow. I mean, why yeah. does the government have to help you? And uh, and she said, well, here's the thing, for from her perspective as a mom, yes, she could find cheaper daycare. She could get a grandparent. She could get a neighbor. She could do this kind of thing. But she's not going to get the structured care yeah. that's available from the daycare. And it was honestly a light bulb moment for me. I hadn't really thought about it that, well, yeah, I guess that's right. If you have trained professional daycare workers putting the kids on a program, that preparation for their school life, I can imagine is totally so valuable. And then I got thinking after the conversation, we always talk about the Alberta advantage, and we, when we do, we talk about taxes. Mm -hmm. But what a huge advantage that would be to the province of Alberta um, if we had $25 a day daycare, honestly. Yeah. Because if you're thinking about moving to the province, and I know I should be getting you to say these things, but I've really you know been thinking about it myself, but what an advantage, because I owe, again, anecdotally, but any company that's ever offered as a benefit daycare has their employees have overwhelmingly said it's one of the biggest reasons why they joined the company. Yeah. And I wonder if the same wouldn't be true for the province. Yeah, I think absolutely, because I think, um, you know, BC has launched a fairly ambitious childcare program that is different, but but uh, I think similar as far as dollar investments. So I think Alberta and BC are in similar places right now in trying to build a system in a lot of ways. Quebec is the only province that's really out in front. And so I, I think we're a, one of the leaders in the country in this area. And I think it does attract investment and, and makes things better for the workforce, better for the economy, and better for kids and and I want to go to your point about uh, the quality that uh, the training of the professionals um, so we had the media conference where we released the results of the survey today at Jasper Place uh, Child and Family Resource Center which is one of the 122 centers in this uh, program getting support from the government and um, they are really leading the way in quality uh, to the uh, to the extent that all of their staff have at least a two-year diploma in early childhood development which is the highest level of training. We have these three levels of training in the province, child development assistants, child development workers, and child development supervisors. And that highest level, the supervisors have a minimum of two years of training. And mm -hmm. every staff member in that center has that, which really? is amazing. I was amazed actually when we first met with them that they have that. And we need to be able to bring that kind of quality to every child care center in Alberta. And it would take time to transition. You know, it's not something you can do overnight. For sure. We don't want to push uh, uh, workers that aren't trained up to that level out. It's about skilling them up so that they can if they want to, stay in that field for the rest of their lives and see it as a career rather than just as a stepping stone or a filler before they get into uh, some other kind of work. Nice. Well, Joel, you've been very patient because the reason you're here is to talk about the results of the study. We haven't really done that. Uh, but I do need to take a break. We're talking to Joel French, Executive Director of Public Interest Alberta, the topic, the $25 a day program. Let's take that break, get out of the way. When we come back, we'll talk about the results of your study. All right, welcome back to the 6.30 Chad Afternoon News. We've been sitting down and talking the uh, $25 a day program, also known as the uh, Early Learning and Child Care, or ELCC program. Joel French, Executive Director of Public Interest. Um, you've released the results now of a 2018 Alberta Child Care Survey, so what were the results? Yeah, this is a survey that we've done. Uh, this is now the third round of it. We've been doing it every two years. We did it in 2014, 2016, and this is now 2018, and specifically... 
we did look a lot at uh, comparing what is happening in those ELCC centers that the government is funding and comparing those to the rest of the child care center. And we're finding that overall in the province, there are huge challenges in areas of accessibility of uh, different types of care. I'll talk more about that in a second. Of quality care, which we've talked a little mm-hmm. bit about already, and affordability of care. And in all of those categories, the ELCC centers getting that government support are performing better because of that funding, which maybe isn't a shocking thing, but uh, particularly on the affordability, I think that's been talked about a lot publicly yeah. that, since they've been dubbed $25 a day centers. That funding is actually uh, not only going to affordability, but it's also being used to improve quality in those centers uh, and accessibility. Accessibility, what I mean when I say that is the uh, ability of centers to care for higher needs kids. So that means infants, that means kids with disabilities, mm. kids have been, have been uh, expelled from other programs, but still need somewhere to go. And we're finding that um, that kind of care still is very limited, but it is better in these ELCC uh, centers. Um, that also tends to be higher cost care. We had a mother speak at the, our uh, media conference this morning. Uh, her name is Billy, and she has four kids in the Jasper Place Center where we were. Uh, three of them have speech issues. She has three triplets, and she has a fourth uh, child. Um, so they were actually in the, the uh, child care center there with us, too. Um, without this government program, she would have to pay $4,000 a month to have her kids 4000 4000 a month for the four kids. Yikes. Um, with the program, because she gets um, I think full subsidy or close to full subsidy because she's lower income um, and they're part of this $25 a day center. Um, their childcare is actually, the costs are almost zero hmm. because of that. Um, yeah, see, it's, it's amazing. Is there more you wanted to say about the um, there is more in the survey. Uh, um, Up to you. I, yeah, uh, I would like to talk a little bit about quality because I think sure. the quality of care is something that um, that the public doesn't understand as well. It's not talked about that much. And I think parents often struggle with uh, trying to understand what does quality of care mean? How do you tell when you're looking for a child care center? One of the big things is qualica- qualifications of staff, so making sure that they're highly educated, but also professional development opportunities of staff. So, you know, I think people know more about that happening for teachers in our K-12 system. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, social workers have to do that kind of thing. In childcare, it's it's not mandatory. We don't have a professional college of early childhood educators. It's maybe a direction we should go in the future. But for now, you know, it's fairly voluntary. And so it's worth parents checking in when they're looking for care to find out what kind of professional op- uh, development opportunities uh, are happening for staff in the centers and what level of education they have. And ultimately, we think all of those things should increase everywhere um, so that we don't have to shop around in that kind of way to find quality care. Right, and just to be clear on this, so because we're going to have to wrap up pretty soon, no one's advocating for government-run daycares, right? They're simply, uh, you're advocating for affordable daycare. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think we could have a more in-depth conversation about where we might want to go down the road and what we might want to build. And I think uh, expanding the public role in care would be a good idea. I think historically in Alberta, when that has happened, it's happened through municipalities. It hasn't been this big Mm -hmm. box program that happens at a higher level. Um, We right now have support from the federal and provincial governments for child cares, but most of them are done either by uh, private nonprofits or there is a lot of for-profit care. So Um, I did want to ask you about that and just clarify it so I understand this as well. Um, This has to be a non not-for-profit uh, organization to qualify to be able to offer this $25 a day. Yeah. First of all, I didn't... Honestly, this is how long it's been since I had a child in daycare. daycare. Mm-hmm. I didn't know there was such a thing as a 
I thought they were all for profit. Yeah. I assume they're all businesses. So, but uh, why would people, I mean, what are these not-for-profits exactly? Yeah, I mean, they're, they tend to be small local organizations that believe in, in caring for kids. And okay. some of the highest quality care in our province is delivered by nonprofit organizations. The split right now is about 70% of the care is for-profit, okay. and about 30% is All non-profit. Alright, so that puts it in a little more perspective. Makes me understand yeah. as to why there's such a waiting list for this $25 a day. Yeah. Okay, so my other question then was, for a parent to qualify for the $25 a day program, and again, I know this isn't, you're not with the government and you don't yeah. make the rules, but I think you probably know the answer. Each daycare makes its own decision as to who qualifies and who doesn't. So my assumption would be that there's not a general specific set of rules for this? That's right. Uh, I mean, they can't turn kids away on specific criteria, but they have a waiting list and they're able to prioritize based on the kinds of needs they're seeing. So the center we were in today, for example, um, you know, when they see kids with special needs and they know that they have the capacity to help those kids, they prioritize those kids on the wait list. They have, the center we were at today has a wait list of about 250 kids and some of them never make it to the top of the list and don't get care. And parents have to, uh, a lot of them get their kids on the list before the child is even born to try to get in. There's a huge, really? huge demand for quality care, absolutely. And he, even before the $25 a day, not just because of the affordability, that's increased the demand, but that demand was already there in quality centers like that. It's interesting because, you know what, like I always say, this is like, uh, what's the expression I use? Somebody corrected me. I said telephone poles, and then somebody suggested that they don't run cables by poles or telephone by poles, so I guess it's power <laughs> poles. This is a yeah. power pole story for me. Yeah. It's one of those stories that's everywhere. But you don't, you forget and you don't notice until somebody points it out. And then it's like an eye opening day where you go, Oh, yeah. I asked my own wife. We raised her kids. Uh, she stayed home. Um, they're adults now. And after talking to my daughter, I said to my wife, Why didn't we put our kids in daycare? And she said, We couldn't afford it. Yeah. It, it's not a problem that's new. Yeah. This has been going on for a long, long time. At the cost of daycare, as we were saying to each other off here again, at the cost of daycare, if you take a look at what you used to earn and now say to try and achieve that again, I have to add to that the cost of daycare, there's thousands upon thousands of mostly women, let's be honest, who would yeah. like to enter back and would be an asset to the workforce who simply can't afford to go back. Yeah, and I think that's a key point is what what we're talking about when we talk about universal is not forcing every kid into care. It's We're not talking about something like the K-12 to education system where it's expected every child is a participant. This is about having the choice of it. And there are lots of people right now that wish they could make that choice and it they just can't. Either they can't find the space or they can't afford it and it doesn't make sense for those reasons. Great conversation. Joel French, Executive Director of Public Interest Alberta. Thanks so much for uh, dropping in this afternoon. Pleasure to be here. Thanks, well, Andrew. We'll do it again. The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad.